Hi, you're listening to God, Ghosts, and Government, a weekly conversation with Senator Kim Jackson, where she'll reflect on her journey as an Episcopal priest, farmer, first-time state legislator, and much more. I'm your host, Sharitha J, and I'm honored to share this space with you. Let's begin. Okay, yes, it is official. We get to call you Senator Kim Jackson. Yay, lots of claps. Lots of- yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier to say than Senator-elect, that's for sure. Oh my good. Like, how does it feel? Like, it's official. You have been sworn in this this journey of God, goats, and government as now, like, this thing is official. You are Senator Kim Jackson. It feels it feels great. It feels overwhelming and it feels unreal still, I think. Um, you know, the the first on Monday I sat down in the chamber and uh, was looking at, you know, the state seal that's on the front wall and the Georgia flag, the United States flag that's kind of flanks that area. And uh, I, I just almost had to pinch myself because it, it just didn't feel quite real. I mean, it still feels very much like a dream, uh, like a dream come true, nonetheless, but but still very much like a dream. So it's exciting. Tell us more about Monday, the day that you were sworn in. Like, how did that day go for you? Just like starting off, I know in our previous session, we talked about what it would look like, you and what you were going to wear and all these things, and you swearing in on your grandparents' Bible. Like, walk us through what Monday looked like for you? Yeah, so um, let me just start by saying Sunday night, I was very anxious. And uh, there, I think I, maybe I took this lesson from my goats or maybe this is just like a natural response to anxiety, but my goats get really anxious at night. Um, like let's say we we have them in a fence where they've been grazing and they wanna go back where they're, um, where they're used to kind of spending the night they'll start pacing and, you know, they'll just start talking and uh, their, their little goat language, trying to get folks to trying to get us to come and let them out so they can go where they want to be. And that's how I felt very much on Sunday night. Like I just pacing and I was like talking to Trina and sometimes she'd be like, are you talking to me? Cause I was just talking and just pacing and pacing. Cause I was just, I was really anxious. Um, so thankfully, you know, Monday morning, um, <laughs> I guess I paced all that anxiety out. <laughs> so by Monday morning, I was um, much more calm. And I also came to this realization. I, I said to you know my, my spouse, Trina, that morning, I, I still feel really anxious. But what I do know to be true is that 12 hours from now, I won't feel this way. All of these firsts that I'm concerned about will, will be. I will have had my first time on the floor, my first time being sworn in, my first time being called Senator Jackson. All of these firsts um, will will have happened and I won't feel anxious anymore. And I, I do very much feel like there was this peace, you know, the Bible talks about a, a peace that comes um, that comes from God that is beyond kind of reason, beyond our understanding. I felt like that sense of peace really did descend down upon me once I acknowledged that it wasn't going to be, exa- it wasn't going to be stressful like this, you know, 12 hours from now. And once I really got on the floor. So, 
you know, you arrive and I, I picked out this outfit. I picked it out like four days in advance and um, trying to make sure my hair was all, you know, nice. And yeah, I arrived there and I don't have a desk. I don't have a chair. I don't have... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it looks like they're not really prepared for me. My name is not on the door. It's somebody else's name on the door, but they say it's my office. And I, you know, just roll with the punches there. And I, um, I step out on that floor. And the first, you know, first thing of the day is that we usually, you know, the, the presider, president calls it the meeting to order. And then soon thereafter, there's a preacher that preaches. And um, the preacher of the day was um, a lot. That's all I'll say about that. Was a lot. Oh, so come on. <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll, we'll take your word for it. It was, so, it was, loud. It was a lot. It, it's not my kind of preaching, let me just say. But anyway, after that, uh, you know, we all stood up together collectively. And I had, um, so, you know, I had two Bibles for this because I had two swearing ends. So the first Bible for the morning was my grandfather's Bible, my maternal grandfather's Bible, you know, has his name, Oda a Smith, and, you know, engraved on the bottom. And so I stood up and I, um, and I said all of these words about all of these promises about how I would, um, uphold the constitutions of Georgia and of the United States and 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 also how I didn't have any money that the state didn't know about that I didn't um that it was that was some strange words I didn't know I was reading them for the first time as they were telling me to say them uh, and and just having my hand on that bible and you know one hand in the air there was just this overwhelming sense of 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 exactly what I, I, I think I'd prayed for, which was that there was this great cloud of witnesses that surrounded me in this moment. And I think honestly, that was probably the least anxious part of my my day were, were those two swearing ends, the, the one in the morning and then the one, in, the one in the afternoon in which I was surrounded by family and friends and just putting my hand on that Bible, you know, in the evening and afternoon, it, it was my my maternal grandmother's Bible and it was the family Bible you know big bible that's got a family tree in the middle of it and white jesus on top um is that family bible which was was my maternal grandmother's you know i put my hand on that and it was just again this amazing sense of calm and and sense of 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 god is here and and not only is god here but the ancestors are here you know polly murray and i mean she she represents so much for me she she represents our queer ancestors our black ancestors our female ancestors right like um our gender queer ancestors you know she's a saint in our church and she was there and it was just it was just beautiful just beautiful yes I, so i am enjoying actually you know, having the honor to kind of debrief this with you, because I also had the honor of um, being there for your second um, ceremony, being sworn in and taking it in myself and witnessing uh, you say those words and give this this oath. And just it was very surreal being in the Capitol itself. I, I know this is now your new norm. So what does what does it look like to be in session in the middle in the midst of a pandemic? 
Well, I mean, it looks completely different than any of the sessions that I've ever watched from the galleries, that's for sure. Uh, you know, so for years I've gone and I've sat up in the gallery, the floor above the, the House and the Senate, and I've watched the proceedings and people are talking to each other and it's crowded and there are a lot of folks. I don't even know who the people are who were allowed in previous years to kind of stand along the sides of the walls. Those people aren't there um, because of COVID restrictions. We're all masked. Many of us are double masked. People have shields on their faces. Um, it's, it's not anything I ever imagined. And yet it also makes us feel safer. You know, I will say Monday morning before I stepped foot on that floor, I had to go get tested. I had to get a COVID test. Um, we are being tested on Mondays and Thursdays um, through Georgia Tech. And that's been really great. Um, my seatmate, in fact, um, was he was actually not my seatmate on Monday. And I'm glad for this. So we we did a little seat swapping um, on Monday night to make sure that the minority leader and the chairwoman of the Democratic Party could be uh, the Democratic caucus could be sitting together. And in that little swap overnight, I got a new seatmate and that seatmate has actually not sat, sat next to me because he tested positive on Monday. Um, so he's been out all week. But um you know, so I'll get to meet him in 14 days, I guess, um, assuming that he gets better. But it's been, um, you know, it, it's been it's been difficult. And I, I will say, you know, we'll talk a little politics here. You know, the governor gave his state of state address on Thursday yesterday. And, you know, he talks about we're giving vaccines out and uh, he talks this really great story about how the Georgia economy is one of the best in the nation because he opened up the economy early. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, we are all just very mindful that there are over 11,000 Georgians who have died from this disease. And many of them died unnecessarily because we because we opened early, uh, because we haven't had a mask mandate. And so there's this, there's this tension that I think is underlying everything that we do every time the governor um, talks about the positives of where Georgia is. To me, it is, you know, there's this just under underlying thing of, and yeah, we, we get to restore our budget and there are 11,000 people who are dead. That's that's thousands of people, Georgians, who have been affected by it, right? Because when one person dies, it's an entire family, it's entire friendships, all these friends. You know, it's it's multitudes of people who were impacted by just one death. So 11,000 Georgians are dead. So yeah, let's celebrate that we get to give teachers raises this year. And God knows they deserve them and need them. And at the same time, there is grief that... 11,000 Georgians are dead, right? And so I, I think that just all, that sits for me underneath all of it in the midst of all the excitement, all the joy. I can't believe I'm there on the floor. I can't, I have a desk that says like Jackson 41. My name, it shows up on the board is K Jackson because there's another Jackson, uh, Dr. Jackson is there as well. And underneath that is this reality that we are living in the midst of a worldwide pandemic in which thousands and thousands of people are dying. And we are living in a state in which is ranked 50 in the vaccine rollout because we have struggled so much to effectively roll out our vaccine. So um, it's bittersweet, it's bittersweet. I was just thinking, you know, we have lost 11,000. Georgians and I think about that on a national scale what that means and then also 
on a global scale what those numbers look like. And it just, it's very sobering that we are, you know, we very much so are still in the midst of a pandemic. And as you said, you know, it's not just a loss of one life when someone dies, their their family is impacted. And so I, just again, I just, I appreciate you naming that loss and how it is showing up for you um, as you are moving into being, or not moving into, as you are officially now in session. You also mentioned, um, use the word safe, and it kind of brought something up for me because, you know, we're still on the the back end of uh, having a riot that took place last week at the U.S. Capitol. And it um, brought up for me this image that I saw, this video that I saw of, I believe it was Representative Lisa Blunt praying in the midst of the riot that took place at the Capitol in D.C. last Wednesday. And I, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. The the siege on the Capitol, in the United States Capitol, is um, still something I'm trying to process. I, I, I would say it's unbelievable, but it wasn't. I think it's very much believable, very much predictable in, in many ways. Um, but I, I think the, the images, the visuals of it are just remain trouble, deeply troublesome. And, and I struggle to kind of figure out how to how to reconcile those images with with what I hope for the capital, the United States Capitol to be, right? Um, but I, I do think, you know, I've read a lot about the, both the chaplains of the day who were, who were there to pray at the United States Capitol that day of uh, the representative kneeling down to pray. And, you know, yes, there is a separation between state and, and church and that is a necessary separation. And at the end of the day, we all come as the people that we are. And for many of us, uh, faith is a deep part of who we are. And having sat with people who were at death's door, you know, I've sat with people as they've, they've drawn their last breath. That is one of, the, one of the most beautiful and sacred things that I get to do as a pastor and a priest is to sit with people in their last moments. And time after time after time, I will tell you that people want to pray. They need to pray. Um, they, they very much they have some things that they need to say to God, um, that they want me to say to God on their behalf. And uh, and there is something that is uh, unspeakably beautiful and holy about um, having someone, you know, I, the, the last person that I sat with as he was dying, you know, he was in respiratory distress and this was pre-COVID, so I was able to be with him. But, um, you know, he was literally struggling to, to breathe and, Yet when he asked me to pray, even, you know, his heart rate went down, right? His respiration, that struggle, it went, it went down. Um, there was a physiological sense of peace that descended upon him just through, not my words, but because of the act of praying. And I, I think that that's what was happening when that representative, when she kneeled down mm -hmm. to pray, that there is this physiological, psychological, spiritual um presence that happens that brings a sense of peace and even you know my my seatmate but right behind me is uh, Michelle Al Senator Michelle Al who um, is I, I think the first non-religious senator ever elected in Georgia she does not identify with any religion and 
you know, I, I listen to her when every time we have a preacher of the day, you know, she, she'll still comment about it. And, and when people speak words of peace and of love, she, she hears those and she too is moved and touched. So it's not, it's not about the words per se in terms of their, you know, connection to a particular religion, but it's about this greater sense of peace that can come in the midst of great chaos, in the midst of great fear. I don't take for granted to be in this position to um, have these conversations because like many folks, you know, last last week and with so many things that are happening politically, we're, we're just kind of taking it in via media. You know, we don't get to be on the floor. We just get to kind of take in the images that are displayed uh, from whatever media sources we're using. So having this insight in your willingness to kind of paint the picture for us um, because you're there. You're, you're getting, we're getting this first hand, hand encounter through you. And so, you know, again, I don't take it for granted. So thank you for um, taking time to kind of speak on that. Thank you for listening to God, Goats, and Government. We love to connect with you. So please follow us at Kim for Georgia for updates. Again, that's at Kim for Georgia on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You, you've walked us through your day in regards to being sworn in. Can you give us like the, like the highlight? If you had to pick one, I'm sure you have many, but can you give us the highlight from your day of being sworn in twice? <laughs> through two ceremonies. The highlight was my nieces and nephews, undoubtedly. So I have three nieces and nephews, um, two are twins, Amina and Amar, they're 12 years old. They're half Indian and um, as in from the country of India and half black. And then they have an older brother, Azad. And they were overjoyed. So it takes, um, I don't know if anytime you like, when you graduate from college, like, you know, it might take a day or 10 or, two weeks to realize like, I'm a college graduate, right? Um, it takes, when I got ordained, it took me some time to like really let it soak in. I'm I'm a priest. Mm-hmm. Well, for my nieces and nephews, it took them zero time to know that Auntie Kim was a senator, um, right? Like it was a hundred percent real for them immediately, which was, which helped me get closer to, to realizing how, how real it was, but they were so excited and so honored to be there. Um, and also, so I think in many ways, so inspired, right? Um, I, I, they can talk about the things that they can dream for themselves now in a different kind of way as a result of being there. And so that, uh, that was definitely the highlight for me. I mean, who's you know, this 12-year-old little girl who's already been inspired by Kamala Harris because of their shared, you know, heritage as, as half Indian and half Black, um, just, you know, has a much closer touch. She's like, it's one thing to see Kamala on the screen and Kamala has a niece named Mina. So Mina's like, you know, feels connected. She's like, I felt connected then, but now like you're my auntie, <laughs> you know? And so that was just beautiful and and wonderful. Just such a gift, I think, to me and um, and, you know, let me just let me just add a lot, a lot of ink has been spilled around me being the first out LGBTQ state senator 
a lot, a lot, a lot of things have been written about that. Lots mm -hmm. of photos and things like that have gone out. And for my niece and nephew, what made that moment historic was that their auntie, a, a Smith, that's, that's the, the, the name that we share. My mother was a Smith, right? Um, that their auntie, that a Smith, that somebody in their bloodline has become a state senator. That for them is history in the making. It, you know, it's great, it's cool, whatever, this whole gay thing and Auntie Trina, you know. But for them, it's like, this is our bloodline that has reached this. And, you know, my nephew will be quick to tell you because he's our family historian. Um, you know, I come from five generations of farmers. And that's how he, he says it, right? But what we know is I come from five generations. If you go all the way back, I come from enslaved people who farmed. I came from sharecroppers who farmed, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so to see us come from enslaved people who farmed on other people's land for their gain to being a senator in Georgia is incredible. And it's inspiring. And he brought that home for us in just such beautiful ways. Every time Amar would talk about it, he's he's just so proud of it. Um, and I, I can't wait to see what they do as they grow up. Well, we can't wait either. Um, so there's one more thing that I want to ask you about in regards to your swearing in ceremony. Um, for those of you who don't know, Senator Kim Jackson and I cross paths in many ways, and one of which is that we both serve the good people of Church of the Common Ground, which is a ministry serving those living on the streets of Atlanta. Anyhow, uh, you gave me this task of making sure that one of our own had a proper escort um, into the Capitol for your ceremony. And that was that was Snake. And so just a little context. I've I've never actually interacted with Snake where he was standing up. So I was really looking forward to, you know, kind of looking him, you know, eye to eye. I've always talked to him and he's he's laying on the ground under his his, his cover and his tarps to protect him from the elements. And so on this day in particular, it was pouring down rain. So I honestly cannot blame him for not wanting to leave his, his shelter. So how did you feel when you found out Snake wouldn't be able to attend your swearing in ceremony on that day? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, um, I invited Snake because I wanted I wanted him to know that this is his capital and that I am his senator, right? Um, and I wanted him to feel like he could, that I wanted him to know that he has a right as someone who sleeps across the street from the capital to walk across the street and come into the capital. Um, and, and certainly, you know, I was very intentional. I only got 10 people that I could invite to be at the capital. And so, um, you know, and, and, you know, Mina and Amar, despite being twins, are two people. Um, so... <laughs> so the kids took out three spots um, and, and and I'm grateful that they, they did. Um, it, it just meant there were fewer adults that I could invite. And, but I, I gave, gave Snake a slot on purpose because, um, because he represents our community that we serve at Common Ground. I'm, I'm proud to be able to serve with you at Common Ground, Sharitha. 
um, you know, he he represents a community that is often forgotten about in that space, in that capital, or is talked about as if they are less than human. And so I wanted I wanted him to embody, I wanted him to be the embodiment of, of humanity. <laughs> I wanted them to see his humanity. Uh, and and at the same time, you know, I, I said to my spouse, you know, was I disappointed that that snake didn't come? Yeah, sure. But that actually like wasn't it wasn't about snake actually showing up. If he had shown up like that would have been icing on the cake. The cake itself was me going down to his little corner, kneeling down under his tarp and letting him know that I wanted him there, that it would mean something to me to be there, that I saw him, that he mattered, that I wanted him to be a part of this special occasion. And that was achieved, right? That was achieved in the invitation, that was achieved in you going down there to retrieve him um, and to, to invite him. And, and I think it was achieved in his video message that he sent to me um, from under the tarp. Um, yes, from under the tarp with the rain <laughs> coming down. Yeah. You know, we he knows I'm a senator and, and that's that's what matters. And and I know that Snake will, you know, he'll stand up and show his face when he's ready. He will. Thank you, Senator Jackson, um, for making space once more this week to kind of catch us up with what's happening with you while you're in session. Is there anything you'd like to share with us uh, before we go? Um, as to what we can look forward to, any happenings? Yeah, so I mean, let me just say, during all of this, I had a sick goat at home that every night this week, I would come home and have to bottle feed Pedialyte. <laughs> like, I come home, I, like, take off my fancy clothes, put on farm clothes, warm up Pedialyte in a bottle, <laughs> and hand feed this goat. That's something very humbling and grounding and <laughs> all of that. And also just super comedic. Um, so I just want to name that. But coming up next week, uh, we are not actually going to be at the Capitol. A lot of people have asked questions about, are you safe? Are you safe? Are you safe? There are threats, you know, for January 17th and threats for January 20th. Well, we're going to be in what's called budget week. So um, we are working on the budget, which is our one job, actually, um, as a General Assembly, and we'll be doing that virtually for the most part. So there'll be a few people at the Capitol, but I won't be there all next week. Um, the vast majority of us won't be there, so we're feeling very safe about that and excited to, to fight to make sure that uh, that the least of the, the, those who are often left behind, that they get included in the budget, that we make sure we fully fund education. We got a lot of work to do next week, um, but thankfully we get to do it from the safety of our homes. Thank you for your service. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of God, Goats, and Government. All right. <laughs> <laughs>